We're just ordinary people living ordinary lives Until we see someone on TV win a $25,000 prize Come on down I'll play any game for 10 seconds of fame Come on down I'll make a deal, just let me spin the wheel Come on down To win a million bucks, all you need is a little luck And thorough knowledge of multiple disparate trivial subjects all right, welcome to Come On Down, a game show podcast hosted by me, John Baker. And I'm Jonathan Montney. So, uh, first I want to start off by thanking our friend Colton Winburn for that awesome uh, intro song there. I don't know if Colton has a uh, SoundCloud or something that we should be promoting. You um, should probably found that out before yeah, yeah, yeah. we started. Uh, so Google Colton Winburn <laughs> and maybe there's a SoundCloud or something. Uh, hopefully there's no racist tweets. Or anything like that. Uh, in which case, don't Google it. Um, anyway, so this is, as we mentioned, a game show podcast. The way it works is every episode we'll be highlighting a different game show from the past, present, future. Probably not future. Probably, yeah, probably not future. Um, from the U.S., from other countries, etc. And we're starting off today with our first game show. Uh, it is called Twenty One. And it was involved in a bit of a scandal. Not many of you have probably heard of it. I know. I don't think we knew much about it uh, before this research here. Uh, but before we jump in, a little bit about us. We have been friends since high school. Mm-hmm. Um, I think probably the first thing we ever bonded over was game shows. <laughs> yep. Um, do you re- do you remember what that conversation was like the first time we started talking about game shows back in high school? Yeah, it was. Um, you had said. I was wearing a who wants to be a millionaire t-shirt and you had walked straight up to me and you were like, Oh my gosh, you're a huge fan of who wants to be a millionaire. Right. And I was like, absolutely dude. And, and then from there we had, it was two and a half, three hour conversation about just, yeah. So the first time we talked about game shows was two weeks ago. Um, (laughs) when we decided to make this podcast and I was wearing a who wants to be a millionaire (laughs) t-shirt. That part was accurate. Yes. Uh, Um, so anyway, um, that's a little bit about us, um, and I guess we can go ahead now and jump right on in to 21. But before we jump right to 21, actually, uh, we need to learn a little bit about the history of game shows in the United States uh, with television and radio and things like that. Actually, up until 1954, um, there was a lawsuit that went to the Supreme Court, the Federal Communications Commission or whatever, FCC, mm-hmm. Uh, versus ABC that basically determined that game shows were not gambling uh, because gambling is illegal. Um, So prior to that date, game shows with big prizes were basically illegal. Um, So that kind of opened the floodgates for the game shows that started right around the mid-50s for the most part and continued on until today. So one of those first game shows was this show, 21, uh, it was a big quiz show. The way it worked, more or less, was there were two contestants, a defending champion and a challenger, and they would compete against each other. They would both be placed into isolated sound booths where they could only hear uh, the host. They couldn't hear the other person. There was They had headphones on with music playing through them. Um, so they had no idea what questions were being asked to the other competitor. And the goal of the game was to get your score up to 21. Each round would begin with the host, um, whose name was Jack Barry. He was one of the creators of the show, alongside uh, one of his partners that was the producer, Dan Enright. Mm -hmm. So they created the show in 1956 um, on the heels of some other popular quiz-type game shows, uh, like the $64,000 question was a big one at the time as well. Uh, but they created this show, and so Jack Barry would get the sealed uh, category for each round. From a bank vault. From a bank vault, that is true. The questions were held in a bank vault. They made a big deal out of it. Uh, they were created by Encyclopedia Britannica. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, this was this was serious trivia. Yeah. And these questions were fucking hard. Yeah, they were. Uh, they were insane. So, um, basically what would happen was the beginning of the round, they would get the category, which might be sports. Um, And Jack Berry would ask the challenger, uh, the first contestant, through the soundproof booth, he would tell him that the category was sports and ask how many points uh, he would like to wager 1 to 11. 
And the questions obviously got progressively harder the more points they were worth. So the contestant would choose um, seven, for instance. And it's a good starting point. I mean, you got to start yeah. kind of in the middle. Not, Don't get too crazy around yeah. the gate necessarily. Um, so they would choose the number. They would read the question associated with that number. Oftentimes, it was a multiple choice or multiple answer question mm-hmm. because, like I said, they were really hard. Definitely not multiple choice. And not multiple choice. It would be things like um, Christopher Columbus took four voyages to the Americas. Uh, he discovered these four land masses. Put them chronologically in the <laughs> on the voyage of which he discovered them on one through four. Ridiculous things like that. Um, and so they would ask the question. If the contestant got it right, they would get those points. If not, they would lose those points, but they couldn't fall below zero. They would then uh, disconnect that person from the audio and ask the um, or let the defending champion know that the category was sports or whatever mm-hmm. it was. And they chose their guess from 1 to 11. If they also chose 7, they would get the same exact question, um, which is why they were isolated. And they were also not told what the performance of their competitor was at any yeah, point in time. Yeah, they're in the dark the whole time. Right. So they would know their score, obviously, but they wouldn't know what their competitor's score was. And this is important uh, because obviously it factors into your strategy of what point value you're choosing because you want to beat the other person to 21. Obviously, the fastest you can do that is in two questions because you could do a 10 and an 11. Yeah. Uh, but another factor here was that after the second round, after the second question was asked to both people, uh, there was then a moment where either contestant could choose to end the game right there and whoever was in the lead won the game. Yeah. Um, so if you were confident that you had gotten two nine-point questions and you were fairly certain your opponent didn't have more than 18 points at that point in time, you could say, I want to end the game. And if you are indeed in the lead, you win. If you were wrong, you lose and the game is over. Yeah. Um, so, of course, this was in the 1950s. Um, 56. Yeah, 56 through 58. So this was a show that had a sponsor, as most shows did at oh, the time. They it didn't was have so clear what the sponsor yes, was. Yes, yes. They didn't have commercial breaks um, like we do. Oh, that's now. okay. That makes sense. Then uh, it was just the show was sponsored by Geritol in this case. Yeah. Um, and Geritol just sounds like a made-up product yeah. name that you would make fun of from the fifties, more yeah. or less. It's it's it was tonic water, right? Yeah. So yeah, they called it like the world's best tonic, and it was basically. Um, vitamins it was like iron and vitamin b and that's all it was it was it was it was it sounded like it was something that could cure everything right that was was always something different they They were like if you're having a hard day geritol is great for you and if you're uh if you just got divorced uh don't talk about it then geritol is going to be perfect for you yeah and i mean they're that the the science backs up both of those (laughs) uh, claims there we'll get back to geritol a little bit later i want to i want to say a little bit more about them but uh so geritol was obviously very invested in this show um, it was on NBC. NBC was obviously quite invested in this show. And uh, so so they came up with this show, uh, Dan Enright and Jack Berry. They came out and ran the first episode, sponsored by Geritol. And uh, the show kind of sucked. Uh, it wasn't received it well? Was, it, was not, it was not received well. Mm-hmm. It, was, uh, it was pretty boring. Um, and I don't know, there, there wasn't a lot of intrigue into it, I guess. Uh, so Geritol and NBC... Um, because they were paying for this whole thing. They weren't, they weren't super happy with that. They wanted, they wanted good ratings. They wanted people to, to watch their, their Geritol pitches and what have you. NBC wanted Geritol to have to pay as much money as possible for those pitches. (laughs) So, uh, there was Is that how business works? Generally. Okay. Uh, I'm still figuring it out. (laughs) Uh, so, so basically, uh, they were upset. They said, we need to fix this. We need to make some changes. And so what they decided to do was just um, stage the whole thing, pretty much. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, So after the first episode of the show, they decided, this is boring. Uh, We're just going to make it up, (laughs) but not tell anybody about it. Obviously, aside from the people participating in the deception, it was kind of like... um, reality tv yeah. now you know people get upset you should know that whole thing's fake what are yeah. you watching that garbage for so this was like the first reality tv basically wow. the whole thing uh was fake so what they would do is kind of uh 
stage everything more like uh, television auditions rather than game show auditions for the most yeah. part. They're looking for uh, characters that the audience would receive well. Um, and they would manipulate things like during the show, they would ask a tough question and then turn off the air conditioning to In the booth of that contestant days. so that they would sweat and look like they were struggling even more with yeah. the uh, already difficult questions and things like that. And so it was TV back in the day, too, so you'd have to sh have a lot of perspiration in order to show that on television. Yeah, it wasn't super high def. No. no. Um, I, don't, I don't believe there was a lot of high definition TVs yeah. back then. But, um, yeah, so, so they would do uh, little manipulating things like that. They would uh, coach the contestants in advance mm -hmm. um, to, to know the answers. Um, to and just to show that they don't know the answers. Because they knew them, there was, you know coaches in there to help them look like they didn't know what was going on right so i mean the whole thing was elaborately choreographed um and and again none of the viewing audience was any the wiser at mm -hmm. the time uh, so there was this guy named herb stemple he was kind of a uh dorky awkward type yeah uh of guy who uh social cues were a little off yeah yeah, yeah. uh lived in queens at, presumably uh, at least appeared to be on the show quite a smart guy mm -hmm. um and he he ran off a series of victories uh to the point where he'd won seventy thousand dollars on the show do you know how many days uh, um, or how many weeks i guess he won I, it was it was something like uh 10 episodes in a row oh. 10 weeks in a row something like that um because the way that your prize money was awarded was the winner uh, of each game won $500 for each point they won by. Mm -hmm. So if you won 21 to 20, you only won $500. Um, but if you were the challenger, you got that money from the reigning champions prize pool. All of it. Uh, yeah. Whatever money you won came out of their prize oh, pool. Wow. So like if I had won $5,000 last week and then I lost to you this week and you won $5,000, you just got the five thousand dollars. That That's a smart way to do it. Yeah, because uh, then they're not, you know, they're not having to shell out fifty k per episode. Right. Exactly. So uh, it was it was cumulative, and so if you were at fifty k and you lost to somebody, you lost seven k. You'd walk away with forty three thousand. Yeah. Um, so that was more or less how the game worked. It only went up to a maximum of five rounds, I believe, and then whoever had the lead at the end of five rounds um, was the winner. Or uh, if there was a tie at the end of the game, if either contestant chose to end the game when there was a tie score, if they both got to 21 on the same question, um, or if they had the same score after the end of five rounds, they would just play again the next week, and the money value was doubled. So it would be $1,000 per point okay. you won by at that point. So Herb Stemple was on for, for several weeks in a row, a few months, and he was... He was winning every week. Like I said, he was kind of this awkward guy, but he was kind of an everyman, um, a, a kind of person that the viewers at home could get behind mm -hmm. and, and support and see a little bit of themselves in. So the ratings as he was on kind of uh, increased throughout the weeks, uh, and they were doing pretty well until it got to a point um, where it plateaued and, yeah. and they weren't gaining viewers anymore. Um, the producers, Geritol not happy about this uh, they want the viewers to go up which is shocking because they they were the most popular or one of the most popular shows on television I there was like. a point where they had higher ratings than i love lucy so oh man so uh, it's just essentially greed is what course, drove 100 percent yeah it was, that's what drive why are we doing this podcast right now uh, money yeah so so that uh uh by the way time to take a break for our sponsor geritol uh <laughs> Geritol, it cures anything. Just drink it, and uh, and and let's let's hop into a family that's had Geritol and uh, and see how it's improved their lives. Oh, sweetheart, yes, yeah. sweetheart, yes, yes, honey. I broke. I just broke my leg. Well, sweetie, why don't you take this Geritol? It, no, it's but it's like bleeding everywhere. It's that's a it's a it came through the skin. I think we probably wipe it up with some Geritol. You're just now you're, a cleaning you're solution. You're just pouring also. this in my open wound. This is not. Uh, this is uh, what's the name of this? It's not helping. Geritol. It's the Wonder Tonic. Um. So yeah, buy some Geritol. Um. 
But yeah, so they were not happy. They wanted more viewers. They wanted more, more, more. Um, I don't think they had gotten quite to the Isle of Lucy level yet at this point, but they were on their way there. Um, they didn't like that it was plateauing. They wanted Herb Stemple off. They wanted to find somebody to replace him. There was this other guy living in New York City at the time named Charles Van Doren. Uh, yeah, I mean, he sounds fancy as Rich, fuck yeah. from the name. Yeah, He came from a, a very successful family. His father and uncle were both uh, like Pulitzer Prize winning authors. Yeah. Uh, his dad was a professor, professor at Columbia, Columbia for years and years. Yeah. He was also a professor at Columbia at the time. Uh, Charles Van Doren was. He was a he was a good looking guy. Um, he he was charismatic, and one of the production staff stumbled upon him. And uh, the story at the time was that he'd come in to audition for Tic Tac Doe, which was another game show um, that Jack Berry and uh, Dan Enright. And were, it was you had to play Tic Tac Toe with actual does, and if they moved from the squares. That you lost that square. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, if, if the yeast rose, um, <laughs> you were out. Um, but anyway, uh, so the story was that he had come to audition for Tic-Tac-Doe. They saw him and said, no, let's put you on uh, 21 instead. And because they had gotten wind of his name and they knew that Yeah, they knew who he, he was, was and they had... kind of sold it to him as, listen to how great this would be for education. Yeah, that you're... was such a huge push for them. Yeah, you're, you, you know, you're a teacher. You've, you've got this academic pull. You can push people into academia. People are going to love you. They're going to think teachers are so cool, yeah. uh, which we do to this day. <laughs> um, yeah. And that was, that was all Charles Van Dorn. So uh, basically, he, he, I guess, was kind of hesitant at first, but he eventually agreed to do it. Uh, the problem is that they then had to convince Herb Stemple to throw the game. Mm -hmm. uh, he needed to lose to Charles Van Doren. Uh, so they asked him. He wasn't super happy about it. But Dan Enright basically told him, listen, we'll get you on uh, an NBC contract a afterwards. We'll get you on a show. panel show on NBC. I don't know. That was a huge motivator. What is a panel uh, show? They're, they're big in the UK still to this day. It's okay. just like uh, four or five to six people kind of sitting around tables and and they talk about topics this sounds okay. so this like, is the like most a, generic like description a bill I could Marr possibly get. Type of a little situation? yeah a little bit okay. i don't think you know as uh intense uh and and some okay. of them will have um game show type elements like the show at midnight it was a recent show on uh adult swim i think oh, it, yeah, was, yeah. it was it was a little bit uh in the panel format there's a lot of a lot of ch idle chit chat and things like that okay. and and generally a game going on, but I don't think necessarily always. Yeah, that's that didn't help. That was it's still such a vague thing in my head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and people who know who like love panel shows are listening to this right now, just uh, cursing me because I have it absolutely incorrect. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so he wanted he wanted to be on this panel show. Dan Enright kind of promised him, yeah, we'll get you we'll get you a panel show on NBC, or we'll get you on a panel show. So um, they told him that they were going to ask the 1955 uh, Academy Award winner for Best Picture. Which, as all of us know, was Marty. Marty, yeah. Uh, I'd never heard of that. Uh, yeah. But to put into context, this was in 1956. So this happened yeah. last yeah, year exactly. before this, was, this, was a this year happened. Later. Um, so everybody knew it. Right, you're right. And so, uh, obviously, Herb Stemple knew it. He swore that he loved Marty. He said he'd seen it three times, which... I mean, there was no home video at the time, so it was, that was, uh, you know, kind of an achievement. <laughs> you could just lie about anything, too, at that time. That's also true, yeah. Um, so he, he said he, he knew it was Marty, and he would look like an idiot if he missed it. They told him to answer On the Waterfront, which was the 1954 Best Picture uh, winner with Marlon Brando. Um, and which is kind of dirty of them to pick such an easy question. Right, but the, the, the whole point was they wanted it to be dramatic yeah. that he missed such an easy right. question. yeah. Uh, and, and build that drama, make for great TV. Again, it's the reality TV factor. I think it's, uh, I think on an episode of 30 Rock, um, Jack Donaghy says something along the lines of, reality TV either needs to be great or terrible. Uh, nobody's going to watch it if it's average. Um, yeah. so, so this was the terrible that they were going for, I basically, that. that you miss this easy question. You're such an idiot. People, uh, there's going to be a lot of drama surrounding yeah. that. So basically... Um, he, 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 he missed it. Um, they, they staged it to where they actually tied four times. Um, oh, wow. so the dollar amount was increasing and increasing, um, with each tie. 
to I think they were, I think it was twenty five hundred points or twenty five hundred dollars a point yeah. by the episode where he ultimately lost, um, and and he ended up losing that because Charles Van Doren had gotten both of his first two questions right. He asked to end the game, and uh, Herb Stemple had missed one of the questions. Okay, that he was asked. So Charles Van Doren won, uh, became the new reigning champion, and. Everybody loved him. Yeah, uh, fell in love. He America was good looking. He, he was, was smart. Yeah, exactly. Charismatic, funny. Comes from a great family. Yeah. Uh, people loved him. He was on the Today Show all the time while he was going through this winning streak. Um, people rallied behind him. and He, he was got, on Time Magazine, right? At one he point? was on the cover of Time Magazine. I think this was the point where they surpassed I Love Lucy wow. uh, in the ratings. So, I don't know, maybe Geritol and NBC were right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so they surpassed I Love Lucy in the ratings. Everybody was tuning in. It was um, an unbelievable time. I think he'd gotten up to like $130,000. Um, uh, it was 122 when I made note, but I think, yeah, it went a little bit above that. Okay, yeah. So, so I mean, he, he made well over $100,000. And again, this is 1957. Uh, so right here, the winnings that were 122. And like I said, I made a note of that. I think it was yeah. a little bit higher. But that was $1.3 million in 2020. Yeah. So, I mean, he was, he was banking. Uh, and, and he already came from a rich family, so I don't know why he needed this, but, but it was uh, for the education. You're right. You're right. Uh, the so ends that, justify the means. Uh, you're okay. I'm sorry. I don't mean to upset any teachers out there. <laughs> you guys are amazing. Um, so basically he went on this run for a little while. Um, eventually he lost to a woman named Vivian Nearing who uh, he had actually beaten her husband earlier in his run oh, wow. on the show. Good writing, um, right? Yeah, exactly. Is, You're adding in that drama. Vivian yeah. Neering, uh, she was a she was a lawyer um, in in New York at the time, uh, and she went on to beat Charles Van Dorn. So obviously, um, that was that was a big deal at the time. Kind of right immediately afterward, NBC came out and gave him a uh, recurring spot on the Today Show mm-hmm. as their cultural ambassador for fifty thousand dollars a year. Um, which was again an insane amount of money uh, at at that point in time. Um, So he was the NBC Today Show cultural ambassador. He continued to be a professor at Columbia. Which cultural ambassador, by the way, sounds like a made-up thing. Oh yeah, Like they're like, we love this guy. Obviously all the people love him. Let's, uh, um, uh, cultural ambassador. Yeah, I think he like read poems on the station <laughs> shit like that like, like in between honestly a dream job for a literature professor yeah i mean in between like them having you know a monkey look look at this monkey and they're like and now walt whitman <laughs> uh, sponsored by geritol yeah obviously um so that was pretty much um how his run went and the show continued on afterwards uh but the reason we point out um herb stemple and charles van doren mm-hmm. is that Herb Stemple never got his panel show. Uh, he did not get what he claims was promised him. Yeah, in uh, order by... to take the dive. It was a pretty pretty big promise because, I mean, he's sacrificing a lot for this big gift, essentially, that right. NBC was going to give him. Exactly. So so he, he threw the game. He felt uh, like he was treated incredibly unfairly by not uh, getting what he claimed was due to him, uh, what Dan Enright had allegedly promised him. And so about a year later, he went to the papers and said, hey, this game show is rigged. I was told to throw the game. Um, And so I did. And kind of nobody believed him. He didn't have any proof at the time. It was just all conversations between him and Dan Enright. Well, it's just such a beloved show. It's, it looks like he's one crazy guy or one spiteful person. He was just pissed off that he lost. Right. Uh, And he, he, he was also a guy that had kind of uh, he'd been seeing a therapist and the show was actually paying for him to see a therapist at the time. Um, so there was a lot of, at the time, you know, uh, there was a lot more of a, uh, a taboo about mm-hmm. getting psychiatric help and things like that. Do you think that they truly wanted to keep him calm and sane for it? Do you think this was a strategy the whole time to be like, if this backfires, at least we've got this in our back pocket. That's a good question. That's a, that's a really good question. If they're smart enough to be the first people to rig this, I can see them being like, well, you know, this is risk. Let's have a 
you know, uh, oh crap card in our back pocket in case this guy goes rogue. Yeah, I mean, that's... I mean, can you honestly think an executive is like, hey, we want you to be... We want you to get as much help as possible. Let's let's all let's pay for your five times a week psychiatry sessions. Why didn't they just give him Geritol? <laughs> seems like the obvious. Dude, that's solution. a great question. I don't know, um, but yeah, I mean that's that's a potentially evil genius uh, maneuvering on their part, if yeah. so, um, and and it paid off. Obviously, um, he also went to like the attorney general and made some complaints as well. Um, that were also he didn't have any corroborating evidence or anything along those lines, so he was he was kind of dismissed uh, as as an angry loony for the most part. That's got to be so hard. Like I know this kind of came from a little bit of spiteful background, but you're one person trying to tell your truth, and you were being shut down at every turn. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it's disheartening. I mean, he walked away with sixty or seventy thousand uh, dollars. For his troubles, um, was there ever any any claims that that went away? Was, was he involved in any gambling or anything? Uh, not to my knowledge. Okay. No, I, I. So, so there's a movie that uh, kind of focuses on this whole scandal called Quiz Show, mm-hmm. um, and it's a and good movie. Ninety six percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Solid. Uh, we'll talk about it a little more in a few minutes. But they uh, in in that movie, he he might have had a bit of an investment or gambling problem or something along those lines to Maybe for drama effect. Yeah, exactly. I don't yeah. I don't I don't know how how true all of that was, but I think in reality that was certainly something that was pushed uh, from Dan Enright and the 21 executives sure. was that this is this is a disgruntled guy who's broke because he doesn't know how to manage his money and that's why he's coming after us Got right it. now. That was kind of the story that they told. So uh, he he was going around telling this story. Nobody was really believing him um, until something happened that was kind of entirely unrelated to 21. There was another game show at the time called Dotto, which just and you can tell these are it's so clear what these game shows are uh, by the titles. <laughs> this is so this was trivia, but connect the dots. Uh, Dot O is what they Dotto. got. Dotto. Dotto. Connect the dots. Okay. Um, they did not workshop that very much. Um, some guy was like, hey, connect the dot game show. What's it called? Ah, Dotto. And they went with it. Um, so, so that was another popular game show at the time. Like we said, in the mid-50s, they were springing up all over the place uh, because of that Supreme Court ruling in 1954. So um, one of the contestants that was kind of like a an on-call or holding contestant that had the potential to be in an episode, but the, depending on how things went, basically, were kind of sitting around the green room or backstage and the reigning champion had left her notebook back there and he picked it up and opened it and there were all the questions and answers for that day's show written in her notebook um and he went and turned this over to the attorney general in new york or whatever so this was definitely different from the quiz show movie yeah okay so so um somebody turned that over to the attorney general and that prompted a grand jury investigation um, so there was a grand jury investigation, several people across uh, these game shows, because because at this point they were like, oh, hey, maybe this Herb Stumble guy that was telling us this story yeah. uh, wasn't full of shit after right. all. So let's interview him and some 21 people and some people from the show Dotto. And they did this grand jury investigation. Nothing ever came of it, really. It was locked, and, right? Yeah, it was sealed. So sealed, all yeah. the testimony from it uh, was ultimately sealed. Uh, but because this started happening, Dotto was immediately canceled with no explanation and nobody Mm. in the public really had any they just knew that dotto got canceled for some reason uh and it wasn't long before 21 also kind of randomly got canceled without much explanation oh really yeah Uh, so this is 1958 i didn't know that's why it got canceled only two years after right? yeah exactly um and so uh right around this time the uh some members of Congress got word of this, and there was a congressional investigation. It was like a subcommittee. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That dealt with television oversight. Um, so they started their own investigation into this. Obviously, the grand jury uh, proceedings were sealed, so they they couldn't view whatever testimony was in there. Um, but they started to, they had to do you their know, own investigation. Yeah, they had to do their own investigation, interview the same sort of people. And what they found, there was a guy uh, named Dick Goodwin that was kind of leading this investigation. He was a lawyer. 
uh, that worked on uh, that, that congressional <laughs> subcommittee. He, he went to Harvard, uh, much like... It just um, sounds like in the movie. Yeah, yeah, he does. Um, but he basically found another contestant on 21 named James Snodgrass, who uh, I think from reviewing some tape, there was, there was a question that James Snodgrass was asked in an episode mm-hmm. where he answered correctly and jack berry the host did a oh no i'm sorry the answer wait did you say emily dickinson yeah um because i i guess either they expected him not to know that question because they didn't feed it to him or he was instructed to miss it and didn't Um, probably that i would say he was probably instructed to miss it right uh so so there's a little bit of a double take from jack berry there and and that that kind of i think piqued the interest of some of the investigators they went and talked to this James Snodgrass guy, and what he had done. The, by the way, this is the smartest thing for sure I've ever heard. For just, sure, just, just yeah. So go ahead. I just I was blown away when yeah. this was the reason. So what he had done was when he was on the show and they were coaching him um, with the with the questions and answers, because the show was once a week. I think it was on like mm-hmm. Mondays or Tuesdays or something. So they would usually coach him the end of the week prior, uh, so they could study over the weekend or whatever it was, and. During the days in between, what he had done was taken the question and answered and mailed them to himself, certified mail, mm-hmm. uh, and not opened the letters to himself. So he had these sealed envelopes from the U.S. Postal Service mm-hmm. uh, with the sealed date on them. So it was two or three days before the date of the letter. Right. So they were postmarked the before the TV show was taped. Yeah. Um, and he turned these over to the investigators kind of blew the lid off the whole thing. It was That was it. Yeah. I they mean, had was, no concrete evidence aside from he said, she said, right. until this Right. Key so piece. this blew the lid off the whole thing. Yeah. Um, obviously, the, there was the stuff against Dotto. There was the $64,000 question, which was also uh, hugely popular at the time. Uh, this is the first title of a show that I'm clear what this show is about. <laughs> yeah. Finally. <laughs> yeah. So, so the $64,000 question, actually, so... One of the people involved in that was Dr. Joyce Brothers, um, and you—I know you've got a—you've got a degree in psychology. You're a—you're you're a bachelor's of science in psychology, psychology, psychology correct, buff yes. here. So Dr. Joyce Brothers was one of the first uh, popular pop psychologists uh, in the in the United States. She had uh, an advice column. She had okay. a, a syndicated TV show um, af- after this, of course. Uh, but at the time, she was a contestant on the sixty-four thousand dollars question, and the show it came out later tried to rig it against her um they didn't like her they didn't like her personality and things like that because uh, she was a and, woman yeah. that spoke her mind yes uh and so they tried to rig it against her they made her questions like absolutely impossible because basically the concept of the show was a regular person is asked uh questions about a very specific field and they have to beat an expert in that field in the game and so, it's so, like, so it's like win Ben Stein's money. Yeah, yeah, okay. very similar. So, but but it was very specific. So it was um, like when she was on, it was a boxing. So it was all these questions about boxing, yeah. and it was like a boxer that she was up against. Yeah. Um, and she is that really a subject matter expert though? Or, or maybe it was a boxing writer. I don't okay. know. <laughs> Whatever it was, but uh, she was certainly not a subject matter expert on boxing. But she just learned everything about boxing and dominated even oh though the questions gosh, were like so, so stacked great. against her it was ridiculous uh but this came out out of this whole scandal wow. um but anyway so yeah it came out um that that all these shows for the most part at the time were rigged they were all canceled um there was a congressional testimony uh herb stemple gave testimony um all most of the people involved gave testimony um dan enright uh and and what ended up happening was uh dan enright pretty much took the fall mm-hmm. for everything all of it um geritol didn't get any uh blowback from it basically geritol denied uh knowing anything about it nbc denied knowing anything about it they said you know we we don't uh manage the day-to-day operations of these tv shows to that extent which could be true but probably not probably not true like i feel like people that are that high up in a company yeah don't know quite a few aspects of what goes on in the day-to-day but I mean, the movie makes it seem that the president was very clear about it, but it's, I feel like they probably did. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's highly, it is highly unlikely. uh, No, it's good. It's highly unlikely that, um, 
they were unaware yeah. uh, or uninvolved to to some extent. Um, but the other factor of it was it wasn't illegal. Right. Um, there weren't any laws against rigging or fixing game shows. Uh, it, was it was just such a slap in the face to American people. Right, exactly. So, but and it was just ahead of their time. Yeah, exactly. It was it was dishonest. Yeah. People people were upset about it. There's a lot of uh, public outrage against it. Like no quiz shows like this were on TV again for quite a while afterwards, just because of the backlash. Yeah. But it did cause Congress in 1960 to amend the 1934 uh, Telecommunications Act to explicitly make it illegal to rig game shows. Game shows. Okay. Um, so that as of 1960, that is illegal. At the time, it wasn't. Um, but what they were able to do was um, get a few of the people on perjury charges. Uh, but it was like the contestants of the shows that were kind of asked to throw the games or I mean, it fed was, the answers. It was pretty amazing the outcome of what happened. Because, yeah, uh, Enright took the blame. Him and Jack Barry uh, left. They were kind of out of the scene. Yeah. Came back after only a couple years in their exile with a new game show called Joker's Wild, and they both became millionaires after that. Yeah, I mean, they they suffered a harsh No punishment. NBC executives or sponsors, yeah, were ever right. implicated. Right, but I mean, the thing is, uh, Dan Enright taking the fall for the whole thing is kind of what allowed him to work his way back in at some point. Instead of pushing any blame onto the sponsors or right. onto NBC, uh, he gave himself that window to get back in there. For sure. Once things had died down. Yeah. Um, and obviously that worked out very, very, very well. well for him. Um <laughs> But yeah, Geritol denied knowing anything about it. Um, Geritol, just in general, I, I know we said that I don't know that there's necessarily any specific proof aside from what some of the people involved have claimed. Mm-hmm. Um, they they were a, a just generally shady as hell. I mean, like we said, Are you they, sure? they, they, Geritol. <laughs> they claimed uh, to be to be a magic tonic and everything like that. <laughs> um, so I mean that that was one aspect that was a little bit sketchy. But um, before and before the term uh, snake oil salesman became popular, it was actually Geritol salesman. Yeah. Um, so basically, they um, they got involved in in another investigation uh, led by, I believe, the uh, FDA about or the or the FTC about the claims that they were making in their advertising. Because about- a lot of it was. Uh, you know, if you're, if you're tired, if you need to get through the day, it was, it was almost like five hour energy type of claims. Yeah. Uh, back then you, you need iron in your blood to, <laughs> to have this extra energy. That's, that's what you really need. Which actually that's what gives your blood cells the red color. That was an actual question on a 21. Oh, was it? Uh, the one that, when it came back in 2000, that was one. Oh, of the that's questions. funny. We'll get to, we'll get to the, the revival in a few minutes, but, um, so Geritol, basically, uh, they they got a several million dollar fine for kind of making these claims about what their products did. Um, you only need additive iron if you have anemia, which like a very, very small percentage of people have. So this product was entirely useless to anybody that population. didn't have anemia. Wow. Um, so they, they got in a little bit of trouble for that. They got fined for that. Uh, and then a few years later, in uh, in 1972, they ran a uh, a commercial that that drew uh, a little bit of backlash at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm going to go ahead and play that now. Ooh, my wife's incredible. She took care of the baby all day, cooked a great dinner, and even went to a school meeting. And look at her; she looks better than any of her friends. She takes care of herself. Gets her rest, does her sit-ups, watches her diet, and to make sure she gets enough iron and vitamins, she takes Geritol every morning. Makes me take it, too. More than twice the iron of ordinary supplements, plus seven vitamins. Take care of yourself. Take Geritol. My wife. I think I'll keep her. Wow. I think I'll keep her. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, I think I'll keep her. Um, drew a bit of controversy at the time. Um, Weird. You know, mostly due to the implication that uh, he thinks he'll keep his wife because she's great at doing the laundry and making dinner and ready doing and her doing her sit-ups, sit-ups and night. looking hotter than all of her friends. Yeah, better. 
uh, looking yeah. better. Uh, than I'm all sorry, of her I friends. didn't. I don't. I didn't mean to take it any further. Wow, uh, looking better than all of her friends. Mm-hmm. Um, going to the PTA meeting, and she and she went to a school meeting. Exactly, all all because of Geritol. So I might as well keep her. Uh, which is an, uh, another good time for us to take a break and mention that we are brought to you by Geritol. Geritol. Um, are you tired after a long day of uh, beating your wife? Yeah. Because it is, because you can kind of get it, deficient in some can, areas of it, your... It can be tiring. Yeah, uh, take absolutely. some Take some Geritol. Take fuel some yourself Geritol. back up. Yeah. Um, you know, if, and you if, know what? Actually pour the Geritol all over her so that you don't hurt your hands that's with the that's hits. smart yeah that's that's a good way to do it so again we are uh, being presented to you today by geritol go get it go <laughs> go get it yeah um so so that's pretty much uh that's pretty much the story of of 21 at least in its original incarnation like mm-hmm. we said there was a movie uh quiz show mm-hmm. that came out at the time it was starring uh john Turturro, played herb stemple phenomenally I mean, everything by he the does. way he's i think he's like one of the top five actors and it's funny because in he, he in my eyes does fall into the underrated category. Absolutely, but his roles don't match an underrated label. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like he's had he's, major he's got roles. roles. I mean, he was he was uh, obviously in the Big Lebowski. Stole all the scenes he was in in that. Yeah. Um, Rounders, one of our favorite movies. Rounders. He he was great in Rounders. He, I, I would say a supporting, but yeah, still... A, yeah, a supporting role, yeah. Kanish and Rounders. Um, he was the star of Barton Fink, another Coen Brothers movie from the early 90s. That. Really good. Um, and and recently he was he was in The Night Of on HBO miniseries. Awesome. He was in a new HBO miniseries this year. I haven't gotten around to it yet, but it looks pretty yeah. good. Uh, but, I mean, he's phenomenal. He, he, he reminds me of, like, uh, Paul Giamatti, like, in terms of just, okay. oh, whatever the role is, just embodies yeah. himself in it phenomenal you'll usually forget his name when you need to remember it but you can picture his yeah. face so clearly <laughs> exactly I, like i think like top five actors going like john Turturro, paul giamatti <clears throat> christian bale joaquin phoenix and um the guy who played brink in in the disney <laughs> channel original movie brink uh i think his actually his name was just brink that's <laughs> I, why it was perfect I, for I that role so. actually did you know that guy he he uh he was also the voice of sid from toy story the uh the evil kid next door oh, that really? <clears throat> did like Hitler type experiments on the toys. Wow. Uh, that was, that was Brink. Uh, it was the voice of, is that Sid. what it said in the script? A young boy doing Hitler type experiments on toys. I, I mean, I didn't write it, but I, I can only assume. Yeah. Um, so, so, uh, and Charles Van Doren was played by, uh, Rafe Fiennes, not Ralph Fiennes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rafe, did you have to look up the pronunciation? 100%. <laughs> Rafe Fiennes. Um, played Charles Van Doren. Uh, he was phenomenal. Uh, I mean, it was, it was a really good movie. Uh, I think the w- main thing it had going against it was it came out in 1994, which is also the year that uh, Pulp Fiction, Ooh. Forrest Gump, um, uh, Shawshank Redemption. It's all the same year? All, all came out that year. So what a hot it, year I for know, movies. Right? It, was, it was nominated for, uh, for Best Picture and Best Director. Uh, Robert Redford directed the film, by the way. Okay. Um, Martin Scorsese had a role in the film also. He was... Uh, um, oh, the Geritol. He was the Geritol yeah. guy. Was he was Martin the Geritol gangster. Let's be clear. He yeah. was very much like it was a Scorsese movie role for uh, sure, but, Ger- but a Geritol uh, executive. Um, but anyway, really good movie. Um, I don't think it's on any of the streaming services right I now. I had to go to I, Amazon I, and buy yeah, it. I rented it. it. Um, but it's really good if you want to check it out uh, and and learn even more. It had some inconsistency. The movie really played up the uh, the Marty on the waterfront miss. Um, yeah. They played it up as that was when he lost. He actually came back and tied that game where he where he oh, missed okay. that question. So he would have won the game if he had gotten that question right. Um, he didn't win it because he missed it, but he did come back and tie it, kept the drama going. Um, but he he lost the next game after that. And the the herb loss it happens within the first twenty minutes. Of yeah, the it's movie. very early in the movie. I honestly, I was I have I have no idea where this is going to go I, because yeah. I read slightly about it. I knew right. that was the big issue. And then it happens, and I'm like, "What? What? What's the rest the of the movie?" Of the... And it's so it's mainly about the, the investigation. investigation. I think yeah. it pro- how the, it came to life. Right. The movie kind of uh, it it probably overplays Dick Goodwin, the congressional investigator's role, a little bit yeah, compared to sure. reality. Because he's, main... he's kind of the the hero of the movie, yeah. driving the whole investigation. Who talks and like, like this? Uh, it's, it sounded like really... who's that actor that um, he was in. Um, 
This Wonderful Life, or It's a Wonderful oh, Life. Oh, uh, Jimmy Stewart. It sounded like Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> it was a little bit of a Jimmy he, look, Stewart. His, his lips good. didn't fully complete sentences or words, so he had a car talk with his tongue a lot. Yeah. Um, so so that was... That was a really good impersonation, by the way. I did not practice that before. <laughs> and, and I just want to Listen, say, it was, it, go watch the movie, go watch the movie and that was spot on. That's a solid, that's a solid impersonation. <laughs> I, I'm not going to argue with you there. Um, but yeah, in the movie, it was, it was good. Um, it was definitely... I feel like right now I'm kind of watching every everything through the lens of uh, coronavirus. It was like, oh my god, look at all these people packed into this <laughs> courthouse. What are they doing? <laughs> these idiots—they're all gonna die. Yeah. Um, but uh, but you know, this was made in 1994 and set mm-hmm. in the 1950s, so there didn't really. I guess polio was the main thing. Uh, <laughs> Which were, was pretty. I mean, for a while there was just no vaccine. Right. Right, and then is polio airborne? Do you know anything about polio? I no. Next episode, we'll get back to you with the polio. Fact check Next on episode polio. will be about polio. We'll find a game show that has something to do with polio. Brought to you by the uh, vaccine for polio. Yes. Um, so yeah, I, I I have trouble watching everything through the lens of of coronavirus right now. I know, um, it's it's a difficult time for all of us. Mm-hmm. So the only movie you're going to be comfortable watching is Castaway. Yeah, Castaway or. Um, Phone Bubble booth. Boy? <laughs> I saw that movie recently, and that is a good movie. Here's the thing. Imagine someone pitching the movie Phone Booth. Okay, yeah. so there's this guy, and he gets uh, locked in a phone booth, and um, and that's the movie. Terrible pitch. Yeah, awful pitch. But it, I was engaged that entire movie. It's the opposite of the pitch for Red Sparrow, which was Jennifer Lawrence is like a sexy Russian spy sold. <laughs> Sold. Don't I don't you had care. Me at Jack. I don't care what happens after Jennifer Lawrence is a sexy Russian spy. <laughs> it doesn't matter what happens. But next. wait, she just she's just at a booth eating a meal the whole time. Uh, that I did you see the movie because it was basically that, right, and it, it. and it still probably made a bunch of money. Um, but yeah, I, I mean it's it's yeah, the coronavirus is is difficult. How I, you got you got married during I did coronavirus. How I got married that? during How coronavirus, and it was a hard decision because. Before coronavirus, you, you feel very guilty about it. Yeah, but yeah, we had you know twenty five people. It was all outdoors and safe. We did it. Um, it wasn't safe. We did it the safest way we could. Safish. In order to still have the wedding. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was. I was there. I, I and the only reason we did it is so I would never forget the date or the time. That's because I don't have the best memory. That's smart. I would not what be good on twenty one. But you'll, you'll always you always remember like what anniversary it is because. Yeah, just remember 2020 what, clearly. what year nothing happened aside from you getting married. <laughs> yeah. There was a year that nothing. And I think, I mean, you know, scientists don't know everything about it yet, obviously. Or they, Here's the thing. Have, scientists don't know a lot about a lot of things. Yeah, that's scary because we think that they just know everything. Yes. And like when coronavirus happened, we were like, all right, so what's the thing? What's the solution? And they were like, I don't know. We learned about it at the same time as you yeah. guys. Stay um, outdoors all the time. Um, don't be in groups of people more than two. Yeah. And No, what I think, and what I think, and, and I, I don't think anybody has um, the bravery to say this in public, um, but... I believe, or I, I don't believe, but some smart people are saying, mm-hmm. and I've been listening, mm-hmm. that coronavirus is actually uh, spread by farts. Really? And yeah. And so it's not, it's not, it doesn't come out wow. of, it doesn't come out of, it's not like if you breathe in a fart from a coronavirus person, mm-hmm. you're going to get it. It's, it's actually the opposite. So what happens is, uh, you know, when you fart, mm-hmm. the, the air comes out and then when you stop, there's that moment where it like creates a vacuum where you, where your butthole puckers back up. It's that moment, right? The the pucker moment mm-hmm. that it creates that reverse pressure. It sucks the coronavirus in mm-hmm. into your butthole. Wow. And that is I I, I So mean, the the so the virus has to be hovering right around your butthole in order to be sucked into your butt. Right, but I mean it's the air, you know, it 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 gets around if if you're around a coronavirus person, don't fart is all I'm saying. Because of that last suck up pressure right, right. It, it, it can get in there wow. so don't I, I i'm just recommending don't listen they're they won't tell you this obviously dr fauci is bought and paid for um by the whoopee cushion lobby oh. uh because if farts stop away, being funny then, then their like, product becomes yeah, irrelevant. If, far, if farts aren't funny wow. then there's nobody there's no market for the whoopee cushion and once you know that farting 
is going to kill you from coronavirus, it's not funny anymore. Yeah. Um, so I, 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 how long do you think you can, Wow. If if you got uh, I mean honestly coronavirus through from that farting, through that long joke what? and discussion uh I farted twice. So <laughs> So you're dead. You're dead now. I'm dead. Yeah, you would not last long if this if this were uh the reality of the I am and I am a gassy situation. person. No joke. I'm I have I'm usually burping quiet well in my head it's quiet. Uh it's probably not. And I'm a, I'm lactose intolerant too. So if I even smell milk, it's I'm I'm going to have farts all right this is our first and last podcast <laughs> from for many reasons uh, <laughs> including the fact that you're dead hey, wasn't this a game show podcast uh did you hear the f- 10 minute segment where they talked about fake coronavirus stuff uh, yeah we, yeah, we didn't we, like that part listen, at all I, I, as far as i know no scientists have disproven this theory yet mm-hmm. so and it that's is how you know it it's is true a, it is or a theory true. and it is out there um or at least it is now so um anyway 21 was it, it it made a a, a reappearance a, a renaissance. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't say renaissance. I would say reappearance. Okay, it, it renaissance a, usually pertains to a, like a positive or a popular. Okay, yeah. All right, yeah. Why don't you why, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it came back in 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 two thousand January 9th, two thousand when it was when it uh, came back on. TV. Do you remember where you were? Yeah, um, I was wearing my Who Wants to Be a Millionaire T shirt, and somebody <laughs> walks up to me, and. Um, no, I, I don't. Not at all. 2000, okay. I was, it was four years before I graduated high school. All right. So we're not contact, so contact. Hey, we're guys. probably meeting right around this time. We are probably meeting right around this time. Because we met in ninth grade. Around ninth grade, yeah. right? Yeah. Or I was in 10th, you were in ninth. Yeah, maybe 2001. So maybe, yeah. maybe this was before we knew each other. A little before. Uh, Otherwise, yeah, we, would have, we would have had a watch party, obviously. Yeah, clearly. And we, um, this new version was hosted by Maury Povich. The... The you are not the father guy? Well, there was a segment. Apparently, I read a little bit about this. Maury Povich show wasn't always what we remember it as because it wasn't super popular. But when it started to kind of veer into... Because they had a segment called Who's the Daddy? That was the name of the segment. And all they did was they would have paternity tests on the air and read the results. And this... He has the show before this revival of... of, uh, 21 so so the the who's the daddy happened before before the 21 so and so, they were like this guy's perfect for game so he shows. was picking he he had a regular like boring ass phil donahue game sh- <laughs> or not game show a talk show yeah. beforehand mm-hmm. and then once he kind of jerry springered it a little bit yes uh he started gaining popularity and then he got the big the he got to fill the big the big shoes of jack barry and guess what they didn't have the geritol this time well that's where they went wrong yeah it was sponsored by boring stuff like I don't know, probably underwear, right? Regular, That's a regular commercial breaks, regular, like yeah. That Hanes commercial where Michael Jordan had a Hitler mustache for some reason. <laughs> you have to be so popular to be able to pull that off, and so beloved. And the, and it, it came back in an hour, or it was an hour long show. Okay, it was a half hour originally. It, okay, back so the, yeah, so we're now back at an hour, and there were a couple of changes. First off. The entire show they were it was worth a hundred thousand. You could you could win a hundred thousand dollars. So the winner got a hundred thousand dollars. Got a hundred thousand okay. dollars, and it was the same one verse one isolation chamber, and they were very. The the explanation was so long. Now you have to be you have to understand with context. This is the first show back, so they're having to you know explain okay, yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah. So you watched this episode, the first one. Back. I watched okay. the first one back, and it was I don't know. There was there was no intensity. There, I didn't really. I wasn't that invested in it. The explanation of the rules, like you could tell, like the beginning of our podcast, you know, we're explaining everything, so you guys are on the same level as us. But there's a lot of explanation. There's a lot of rules. There's a lot of ways to win. It felt like it went on and on and on. And when I think of suspense, I always go to Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. And they do the lights come flashing down. Yes, exactly. And and that build would build so much suspense. Um, the host of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, who's it, Regis? Rest in peace. There's a moment of silence. I don't know why you had to bring that up right I now. Did, I you, didn't you know realize. Um, yeah, he, it. I just there was so much suspense with that, and I got none of that from this. Um, and there was also a slight change that happened 
was they had the second chance option. Was that a thing in the 50s no. version? So when I say second chance, what do you think of? Um, like if you miss a question, you can have a shot to give the correct answer again or some, or change the question, something along those lines. Yeah, no, that's a logical explanation <laughs> okay. for it. This is what second chance was. Second chance was if you were asked a question and you didn't know it, you could use your second chance option. And when you use that option, a member of your family or a friend that you have pre-selected comes out and gives you their idea of what the answer is, whether they know it or not. And you don't even have to go with their answer. So it's, it's bad phone a friend. It, exactly. Basically. Okay. Exactly. It that was named that name was already taken because this was probably right after Who Wants to Be a Millionaire <laughs> came out. That's probably why this show existed at this point in time. Yeah. It's just stood out to me as just such a poor, and, and, it, and you know, when things like that happen, um, it takes you out of the show because now I'm in my head. I'm like, that's a terrible name for that. Right. And now I'm not thinking, and now I'm not invested in the show. Right. I'm thinking, why would they name it? So that was a, a big, um, difference between that one and the other one. And the, the prize, obviously a hundred thousand dollars. Solid um, prize. It's a solid prize. I feel like game shows in. The 2000s and when they were becoming popular then the prizes were huge oh yeah i mean once once millionaire became a thing so actually so what was interesting the the whole 21 scandal actually in the uk they had similar versions of the of the game shows mm -hmm. as well uh ran through the same problems they they were also scripting them basically okay and there, so there was a big hearing about it in the uk and they changed the laws at that time. Um, like we said, in the U.S., they made it so it was illegal to fix the game shows. Mm -hmm. In the U.K., they made it illegal for the prize to be more than a thousand pounds. So, game. What? So from that that law changed in 1993, but from 1960 or whatever to 1993, there were basically no game shows because nobody gave a shit. Yeah, because the prize was only a thousand pounds. That. Here's the thing. If you lost the show 21 uh, in this 2000 version, they gave you $1,000. Right. For like, just being there. Right. That's like getting third place on uh, Jeopardy. Oh Same thing. Oh, my gosh. What a waste. Yeah. So they, But they changed that in 1993, and that was, that was uh, there are when, literally when they no started stakes. getting like, British game shows again. Well, the only reason you would watch it, I guess, is to see if you could answer the questions correctly. But even then, you're like, right. you don't have that, that uh, fantasy in your head of winning all the money. So you're like, well, what's the point of this? Yes, yeah, exactly. Wow. Yeah, um, I think that was pretty much the main thing. There was uh, another interesting thing, though. At the time, the largest winner in game show history happened on 21. On the 2000, 2000 revival. Mm -hmm. Yep, his name was Greg, Greg Legler. He was uh, a Navy officer. What did he win? How much? He won six straight games in a row. Okay. And he won $1.76 million. Whoa. And here's the crazy part. The poorly named second chance helped him a lot because he asked his father to be his second chance. And his dad appeared on every single show. He used that option in every, every single... Every episode? Yeah. And I don't know if he got it right every single time, but he got a lot of them right. It sounds like his dad should have been on the show. <laughs> that's what he... Instead. That's what Maury was like. Oh, you get, your dad should have been on this show and he was like yeah that was a worse impersonation of maury than not, your uh, okay i'm sorry i crushed the jimmy stewart slash goodwin one earlier right, so yeah, i'm, I'll, I'll I'm, forgive you. I'll I'm forgive one you. for two and yeah it was it it was an interesting thing another thing they would do in the 2000s they would wheel out the money on a platter just to be like oh you're looking i do that money. when i've guessed over <laughs> my, i don't have a savings account <laughs> You just, I just have, have money on platter. wheels, yeah. <laughs> um, and it, it never looked like a lot. They <laughs> wanted it to, to be a huge show of the prize, and they wheel it out. And, I mean, the $1.76 million looked great. Right, that's a lot of money. But that was on the extreme end. The other times... Right, they, that was they, 17 times more than it is on a normal night or yes. whatever. So they wheel it out, and they would, and he, they, they would have it in tight stacks. So it was like, here's your $50,000 in, you know... Five tight sag. It looks like nothing. Right. Just hold it in your hands easily. Right. Wow. I, 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 it makes me almost want... So So they got the hot, the uh, the biggest winning game show contestant ever at the time in their mm -hmm. revival. And this was 
presumably right around the same time as Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. With their history, it almost makes you wonder, like, was that was that uh, was that legit? Did that guy? Did yeah. that guy uh, legitimately earn that one point seven six million dollars or whatever? Who knows? Uh, I mean, probably. We'll never. We need another it, good one. There, yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, we'll never get a man like like Goodwin again. Um, actually, uh, so a lot of these people just recently died and uh, involved in this uh, recent thing. Herb uh, Herb Stemple died in April. Uh, this year this year because at the end of the movie everybody was alive and they had their different uh pass that they yeah, exactly. the movie came out in 1994 okay. so he was still alive at that okay. point in time uh obviously it's been 26 years since that point herb Stemple died uh, earlier this year charles van doren died last year um vivian nearing who beat van doren mm-hmm. she actually uh i mentioned she was a lawyer she got disbarred after uh, really? after everything came out yeah i mean van doren lost his uh he lost his NBC gig. He was job. fired. He lost his job at Columbia. He was fired mm-hmm. from that as well. He actually ended up working for Encyclopedia Britannica. I saw that. Uh, How so, ironic, right? So he he went there and, and worked for them for for several years. Um, but yeah, uh, which for any if we have any listeners under the age of thirty, Encyclopedia Britannica was it was an Wikipedia. It was Wikipedia in in a book. Mm-hmm. And, sorry, in a lot of books. Yeah, but it was also a hundred percent factual. So Wikipedia, but it, nobody could just write in the Encyclopedia Britannica. Yeah, you couldn't edit it. I mean, you could edit your own personal copy, you could, you but could then cut it out or read it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, he 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 died recently. I think Vivian Nearing. I think she actually eventually got her legal license back, but she was disbarred for a period of time. I think she kind of lived in solitude afterwards. Most of these people would never talk about this until yeah. their death. Basically, uh, you know what's crazy too is that. In every single one of these bodies, the toxicology report showed geritol. Holy shit! Isn't that man. crazy? <laughs> wow! I, it goes all the way to the top. It goes all it the, goes way, all to the, the way to the top. Um, by the way, do you think they've tried geritol for coronavirus yet? <laughs> That's, dude, no, I don't think so. All right, forward this episode to Fauci. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, tr- most of the people. Did not participate in the in the quiz show movie in 1994. They didn't want to be involved. They didn't want to talk about it. I know I saw Charles Van Doren turned down a hundred thousand dollars to uh, to be like a production. Uh, oh, so they were just going to have him on the back end for like mi- like behind the verifying camera, verifying some of the oh, okay. realities of it and giving his input on on the way things played out and things like that. Turned it down. Uh, it wasn't until 2008 where he uh, he he was involved in some article kind of breaking down the whole thing. And he he said that the the whole thing about him actually coming to audition for Tic Tac Doe mm-hmm. was was also a lie. Uh, he so said he, from the beginning, yeah, yeah, he he said he basically through a friend of a friend met one of the producers of the show, and the producer was like, "Hey, you should be on our show," and just recruited him. Honestly, um, that's so smart for him for even even his beginnings with stepping foot in the NBC building was a part of it the whole time yeah yeah the whole the whole thing was a setup like that's how choreographed this entire thing was do was you insane. think that they hired writers or somebody with a writing background to script all this or do you think that they just made strategic decisions i think up they at the just top? made strategic decisions because it wasn't like they had lines or anything like that they would just tell them like yeah. think really hard about this one struggle with this one yeah. miss this one here's the answer to this one get it right etc cetera, etc cetera. but yeah i mean the whole thing was choreographed from the get-go or from episode two because episode yeah. one was boring. Which, not a lot of time to find your footing. They were like, oh, oh one's uh, crap. All right, well, we yeah. have to well, cheat. Right. Well, and I think like to some extent, I think the, the wonder of it was the, the questions were insanely hard. Um, they were and they were and they, I don't, we might already said this, but no multiple choice. It was right, no, no. you had to know. And the eleven point question wasn't it like three or four parts. It was multiple parts. I mean, there, it was it was ridiculous. I think uh, it was like name the monarchs of these four places and yeah. things like that. And uh, Belgium, France. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and it would be there was one question. I, I watched uh, one of the original episodes of it. Some of them uh, are still preserved somewhat. You can find them on YouTube. They're in national archives and things like that. Yeah. Um, there was one, uh, that was like, name all of King Henry VIII's wives and, uh, how they parted from him. So 
it was naming all of their names. Didn't he murder some of them? Right. Whether he murdered them. How they parted from him. They died Uh, of natural causes or got (laughs) divorced. Like, yeah, they drank too much Geritol. Yeah. And, uh, and I mean, Charles Van Doren or whoever was the contestant on the episode I was watching just nailed it. Both, both contestants. I think it was, I think it was one of the Van Doren stumble episodes. Both of them got it completely correct. You know, it's crazy. I don't know if you know this, but it was, they were cheating. Wait, what? Yeah. Did you... Hold on. Both of them knew the answers to that, and that's why... Right, they knew the answers because they were smart guys. I, Man, I don't know how to tell you this. That whole show that you love, I know you've loved 21 since right, you were since, born. Since the 50s. Yeah. <laughs> it's all a lie, man. You can't see this right now, but he is pouring sweat and crying profusely right now Did somebody turn off the air conditioning in my isolation <laughs> <laughs> it, it, honestly i i just i wanted to make this as realistic of a situation as possible i have had the ac off we are in texas it is a healthy mid 90 right now and uh it's about 85 in the apartment so wow well you just uh you just blew my mind yeah so i guess uh we can wrap it up right there uh, well, I go find some uh, some tissues to, to wipe my nose, wipe my eyes, wipe my forehead, etc. All right. Well, thank you for listening to our first episode of Come On Down, where we talk about 21 and the quiz show scandal of the 1950s. Mm-hmm. Um, check us out on all the socials and everything like that. And we will see you guys uh, next week. Have a good one.